Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you like pushing people's buttons, why not press the like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our first story of the day is by Also Not The Mama. You want me to talk loudly to you here instead of somewhere less crowded? Okay. I live in South Africa. Our currency is the Rand, abbreviated to R, and one Rand is currently worth around 6 US cents. It's also important to know that we have lightning storms in my province in January. These lightning storms often cause damage to electronics. Additionally, security companies, everyone who can afford private security here has private security, and telecommunication providers will often push new installations and contracts in the beginning of the year, possibly because your security system, or PBX, may recently have been damaged by lightning and is out of warranty. What this means is that January is busy for many people who work with telecommunication and security and other industries. I'm working on an ESP8266 project. It's an IoT electronics thing that's mostly unimportant to the story, and I need three core security cables, that thin wire that has three insulated copper strands in it, to attach a sensor. I head out first thing to a local retailer, a small security shop, and when I get there, I see a line of about 10 people has already formed. I'm told I need to get in line to get a price, so I jump in line and wait my turn. When I get to the front of the line and ask for the price on the cable, I'm told it costs 300 rand for 30 meters. Before I'd headed out, I checked with a bulk retailer about an hour away. They're actually more of a wholesaler who also does retail stuff, and I knew that they were providing the same brand at 100 meters for 320 rand. I didn't feel like traveling an hour there and an hour back, but they would deliver it to me for 99 rand tomorrow. I'd like to get the cable now and I don't need 100 meters, so I ask to speak to the manager. Guy asks me why, and I'd say I'd like to discuss the price with him. I get attitude, but he asks someone to fetch the manager, and I step out of the queue. I notice that despite social distancing and mask laws, People are pretty crowded in the store, but packed like sardines around the entrance. Stores are only allowed to run at a limited capacity, but are not responsible for how the people queue outside. Whatever, I got COVID in December, I'm fully vaccinated, I'm wearing my mask. If they want to drink their urine, who am I to interfere? It's an anti-vaxxer slash anti-masker thing, Google it. So I'm standing near the entrance, as socially distanced as I can be, when a guy walks up to me with his mask around his chin. I recognize him. It's the guy who told me in October that he couldn't force people entering his store to wear their masks. He doesn't like me. He asks what the problem is. I ask if there's somewhere more quiet we can talk. It's noisy with all the people around. And he tells me there isn't and that he's busy. I start trying to address the problem and he tells me he can't hear me with my mask on. I remove my mask and start talking and he tells me to speak up. You know, I don't really want to, but if that's really what you want, I guess I can help. I speak as loudly as I reasonably can and say, I know your supplier is probably big retailer in Midrand, about an hour away, and their prices are online. I can see that you're charging about a 60% markup on their retail price. 
Note, he's probably paying wholesale, not retail. I continue, I know you have to make a profit and I don't mind you adding a markup, but you're charging so much more that it's cheaper for me to order it from them and have it delivered tomorrow. Not only that, you're charging so much more that even considering petrol costs, it's cheaper for me to drive out there and buy it from them directly. I was wondering if you would consider dropping your price so that I can get it from you. As I finish, I realize a lot of the people are looking at me. I look at the manager. He looks at me. He looks at the other customers and says, we don't give discounts and walks away. As I start walking out, a number of the people in the queue who are probably going to be waiting an hour in any case, ask for details on big retailer. Do they sell to the public? Yes. Do they give bulk discounts? Absolutely. What do they sell? Almost everything. I give the web store URL. I see a bunch of these guys pulling out their phones and staring at the screen. I'm guessing they're checking out big retailers web store. I cross the road and get into my car. As I'm pulling out, I see about a third of the queue disappear to their own cars. I can't say for sure, but I'm fairly sure my little conversation with him in public ended up being quite costly, with recurring lost business. Ironically, big retailers in an area that has one entrance and exit with one-way streets around a massive block that contains many telecoms, security, and tech retailers. When you discover it exists, it's like Christmas morning. If you had a reliable spot like this where you could go to and you know things would be fairly cheap and wholesale pricey, and this store owner was being a jerk, would you want to try to keep that place still on the down low to you and hope that prices don't go up and business doesn't get overly crowded there? Or would you want to tell everybody and stick it to that crappy owner? Let me know what you would prefer in the comments down below. Our next story is by Chris Hansen Fetish. If you want the promotion, you'll have to be willing to work without the benefits. The entry-level position at my old company is a revolving door. The pay is low, the work is unrewarding, and the expectations are unattainably high for the vast majority of the staff. The average time in that position is six months. This is by design. It's a position that requires minimal training, and there are plenty of applicants willing to work for a minimum wage. It's actually a really great entry into the field and uses all of the industry standard practices and tools. Most people use it as a launching point for a successful career and move on to a higher paying job after half a year. One of the cool things about the position is that they offer a great perk for paid time off. You get one hour of paid time off for every 30 hours worked. There's no caps on accrual or limits on usage. It's a great way to attract recent college grads to the position. They feel like they're getting a great benefit and the company knows that they'll be gone in six months anyway so they don't end up paying for a lot of time off. I took the job fully expecting to be gone within a year but I ended up thriving in the position. My bosses were impressed and they offered me raises if I would stay with the company and increase my scope of responsibility. Every time I started to think that my career was stagnating, they would make staying in that position worth it. After a couple of years, I had learned enough that I felt confident in my ability to take on a mid-level role. So I asked for a consideration. The mid-level role comes with benefits and a salary, along with a title that would look great on my resume. The drawback was that this position has a cap of 4 days of PTO usage per year. Still, it would be a great stepping stone in my career, so I was eager to move up. The only problem is that the mid-level position hires from a pool of candidates with an MBA, which I don't have. My boss told me that they would love to have me work on that team and would give me a good raise. 
but I wouldn't get the title, the salary, or benefits without an MBA. Works for me. I know how to write a resume and present myself in an interview, so the title's meaningless as long as I'm doing the work of that role. The pay increase would be great leverage while I search for a new job, and I don't need the benefits. I don't need to be on the company's healthcare plan because I get free healthcare from the VA. I don't need their 401k plan because my wife's company has a better one. I don't need their student loan repayment benefits because the GI Bill paid for my degree. So I took the promotion, but I kept my original title. I don't think they realized that this means I also kept my original PTO structure and at my new pay rate, giving me that much PTO would be kind of expensive. After about a year in that position, I was ready to move on. I told my boss I wanted to use all of my available PTO and he said, no problem, enjoy your four days. No, you don't understand. I'm still an entry level job title. I'm off for the next six weeks. I actually did take a month off and had a great time. Then I started job hunting full time and quickly got offers. When my PTO was over, I came back to the company with my two weeks notice. The timing was bad for the company because they didn't plan on spending that much on PTO that quarter. I hope they've revisited their decision to tell me that I was capable of doing a job but not qualified for the benefits of that job. Yeah, I don't know, it seems weird to me that they would be like, oh yes, by all metrics you're more than qualified for that job, it's just you don't have a fancy enough piece of paper, so we can't really give you that job. The only other comment I have, only 4 paid days off for somebody with an MBA level position? That's kind of really horrendous. This next story is by When She Speaks. Demote me for daring to take professional obligations seriously? Are you sure about that? I had been working contentedly for a local clinic in administrative capacity. I was hired on as a medical biller originally, but over time my duties expanded into more information management and upper level administration. And everyone from the CEO to the most junior employee knew I was good at my job. I didn't brag, but my work spoke for me. One of the certifying organization's motto for billers is upholding a higher standard, and I was doing my best to abide by it. Things were perking along, and then the clinic merged with a larger group of clinics, and they had a centralized billing office. I was on site more often than not and knew clinic operations backwards and forwards as I was functioning as the de facto manager. As the merger took effect, I realized that I did not mix with the central office at all. They were rude and clicky and apparently it was known, but nothing was ever done about it. When I refused an order to commit a fraudulent act, the next day I was out all morning for an important doctor's appointment. I came back to a new set of job duties all front desk. This was during COVID and it was institutional knowledge. I work front desk during flu season. I get sick with the flu two to three days later, no matter how many precautions I take. I was beyond peeved because it was effectively a demotion and when I spoke to the manager, she said flat out, you are now front desk staff and bound by the expectations of such. Okay, demote me for acting honorably and placing me in harm's way? That can't go unanswered. I was beyond furious, but I had a lot of institutional knowledge and a lot of unofficial duties. If they were going to put me on the front desk and be bound by that set of expectations, then I was going to give them a master's class on work to rule. This change in position was not communicated to the clinic manager, and when I told him, he said what are they thinking? But he didn't have enough work for me as a front desk person 
so I spend my days job searching on the clock. Not something I would recommend, but it was either that or be bored out of my skull all day long. But every time I was asked a billing question, I said, I'm not the biller, you need to take it up with the central billing office. After a few weeks, central billing office caught on as I was adding more work back on them and tried to give me a few tasks back. I used a customer service rule to argue against it and they had to admit I had a point. When my original CEO found out what was going on, he called it a waste. I suspect words were said and I got a larger portion of my job back in an hour. So not only did I give them a well-deserved education on why one does not mess with a good employee, and rumor is they still haven't learned or don't care to learn, but I also got paid to job hunt for my next position. Now OP said this took place with their former employer, so that means OP definitely left and found a new job. I think the only thing that's disappointing is the higher ups, although they kind of caught on to it, didn't actually do anything about how massive of a mess up this was by the managers. They ended up losing a very good employee like OP and then continued to allow this person to stay in that position as a manager. And our final story of the day is by Bills Bayou. Fresh stitches under my hat. Teacher has a no hats in class policy. Sure thing. The car accident was of the side impact variety and it was brutal. This was in the days before airbags and seatbelt laws. One second I'm driving and the next I'm halfway out the passenger window watching blood run off my head to pool in the glass of a previously closed window. Another second ticks by and I'm in the ER receiving 13 crude stitches for 11 inches of wide open scalp. I lost more than two pints of blood and a large patch of hair. I also lost my favorite white fishnet t-shirt, but that's a separate tragedy. That Friday of a Labor Day weekend was how my name shows up in the newspaper list of Labor Day weekend accidents. Tuesday comes and I go to class at the local college. Being a teenager gave me the gift of immortality. There I was, fully ambulatory, just four days after a serious car accident. For the sake of propriety, I'm wearing a hat to cover the fresh injury. It was a white Panama hat with a bright 80s style hat band. As this was 1983, everything was 80s style, but that's a separate tragedy. Hobbling along, I make it to sociology just as the class was beginning. I take a seat at the back of the class and settle in. The conversation went something like this. Excuse me, could you remove your hat please? The teacher had her own sense of propriety. My hat didn't fit with proper classroom attire. I was in a car accident, I replied. Did she hear my words or was one of her rude students muttering another in a career long list of excuses? Likely the latter was the case. Take the hat off, you cannot wear that in my class indicated she was not happy with my hat. Not at all. Well, okay then. Off comes my hat. Roughly a third of my hair had been shaved off. The wound was pink and puckered. The seam had a line of dried blood in it. The wound began an inch beyond my missing hairline and continued back, branching into a Y shape. The surgeon's instructions were to keep the wound clean, dry, and unbandaged. Lucky for all in attendance, my mother had washed my scalp the previous day. She used the word gore at some point to describe what was washing off. Imagine you're one of my classmates. Whatever you would say at that point would be something I heard from my classmates and friends. Uh, you can put your hat back on, said the teacher. Not before a little malicious compliance, I won't. But I can't wear hats in class, I replied. I mean, I can do it but not if I'm breaking the rules. She says, please put your hat on. I say, okay, if you insist. And the hat went back on my head. 
My advice is to not engage in malicious compliance on the first day of class, not in a course where the teacher gives essay questions. That was the only C I received that semester, but that's a separate tragedy. This is one of those moments that's like really weirdly pleasing, like only you really know the full extent and the bomb that's about to be dropped, but still in your mind you're like, alright you total jerk, you're really gonna feel like a Richard now. Shoop, pull off the hat, all the while with that internal monologue like, see, I told you, look at all these people freaking out, should've just let me keep the hat on. But really, there was like no way they could've known. OP tried to explain, but kids do make a lot of excuses. With that being said though, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.